Helen Bouchelle and her daughter, Brittany Pasalacqua, were murdered on November 20th, 2009, and this is Helen's mother and Brittany's Nana's story. Although all of our episodes are tragic, this week's episode involves the murder of a mother and her 12-year-old daughter, so it may be particularly distressing to some listeners. Morning the Murdered is a podcast I created because in 1999, a friend of mine was murdered. My name is Kelly, and I am your host. I saw the effects that murder have on family members, and I wanted to give a voice to the loved ones of murdered victims. Every week, I interview the family member of a murder victim. So please be sure to tune in every Thursday to hear their stories on Morning the Murdered podcast. This is the conclusion of Helen Bouchelle and Brittany Pasalacqua's murders. Please go back and listen to episode 46 to hear part one. Thank you. I would always pick this monster up to go with me to the hospital to see her. It's probably also important to mention that because of the accident, she, there was a lawsuit and she was coming into quite a bit of money. And when she broke it off with him only after four, five months, I mean, they weren't living together for years. It was only five months when she finally, those flags started going off. No, something's wrong here. That was what did it. She didn't know the dangers of break breakups. And that's one thing that I really try to stress with people. Be careful. You know, don't tell them you're leaving. Just just do it. Go. Because that's what got her killed. I mean, he snuck up behind her, pulled her ponytail, and slashed her throat. The night that this happened, I'm sure that, you know, Brittany was sleeping. Something alerted her. And um, she actually went in and she tried to save her mom's life. From what happened, I think it was probably too late, but she just jumped on his back and pummeled him with every ounce she could get out of those little fists of hers. And This is, I mean, how devastating is that? Now, was he living in the house at that time or had he already left? He was living in the house, but he was supposed to be gone. He kept violating parole. This was one of my issues. He kept violating parole, and they kept getting away with it. And I was there the day he had to go meet with his parole officer and the boss of his parole officer because he kept violating parole. Now, his time was almost up. So they told him, if you will work with us as an informant when you get off parole, we will give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. But you have to go back, and by tomorrow, you have to be out of Helen's house. And he came back that next night. In fact, I had spent the night that night. I remember him coming home. He just was all beaming and just proud that he had gotten away with it one more time. Look what I got. Ha, ha, ha. Because he had gotten this get-out-of-jail-free card to be a narc. After being released from prison... He kept breaking the terms of his parole. 
and the parole officer kept looking the other way. Finally, they made a deal with this monster that allowed him a free pass, only to be allowed to continue his reign of terror, beginning with his jail time for assaulting his infant daughter, escalating to the devastating, heartbreaking, and disturbingly violent and earth-shattering attack on Helen and Brittany. I used to be very angry with the division of parole, but they were actually told not to re-violate people because they were trying to eliminate people being sent back to prison because eventually they wanted to start closing down all these prisons. So it was really, they, they were doing what they were told not to re-violate. And I don't know how familiar you are with New York, but New York has closed down so many prisons and with the prison reform that they're doing, I understand there was definitely some reform needed. There were pe people being sent to prison and people in prison for really petty stuff for a long time. And I agree that they needed some reform done. But they've let out violent people. They've let out cop killers. They've let out people who are the bail reform. They're letting people go over and over that though I've known people that they've arrested them they've had to release them two hours later they go out and commit another crime they go back they have to get released again literally I mean because they know they can do it they're, they're just laughing at the system and this is so bad for victims of domestic violence especially tell us about you know what you found out that this monster had done if you feel comfortable talking about it well like i said my um ah, my grandson it was it was really actually abnormal for him he spent the night at a friend's house which wasn't normally or typically done on a school night but it was with his best friend who happened his mother happened to be helen's best friend as well so she let him spend the night thank god because we probably probably would have lost him, too. When he came home from school the next day, he found them. I'm hoping that their, at least Helen's body was covered enough so he didn't see everything. And I think he saw just enough of Brittany to run out of the house. Because this monster, after multiple stabbings, nearly decapitated them with a box cutter. A box cutter. Oh. Then he took a shower before he left, put his bloody clothes back on, and that's how they found him with my daughter's car. And your poor grandson. I mean, he walks into this scene. So he leaves and he just, you know, went to a neighbor and called 911. Is that what he did? He went out to the porch and he called 911. His uncle still, I think he still worked for the police force. There have been, there have their family has a lot of police. There, there have been a lot of police in the family. And, um, of course, they took him down to the police department because they had to question him because that's what they do. And, of course, they realized right away, you know, that he hadn't done this. Oh, I just, I guess I'll always worry about him. He doesn't talk about it to this day. Um, yeah, I mean, this is frightening. His huh? daughter... Her, his daughter's middle name is Dale, but she was actually named after Brittany because that was Brittany's middle name as well. 
Brittany was named after me, and um, name her middle name Dale was actually after Brittany. I know that Brittany, they found her curled up in the fetal position, so I'm hoping he didn't see a lot with her. I just get so angry. And now our state is talking about doing a Elder Pearl Act where, you know, if a person's 55 and they've served at least 15 years in prison, that they'd be eligible for parole regardless of their sentencing. And it terrifies me that he could get out in 14, 15 years. But I think I think they're gonna depend. It's gonna depend on what you did. So hopefully he's not gonna fit into that category. He got forty to life. We let him plead down so that Brandon wouldn't have to testify, and because he would never be able to, he can never appeal it. Okay, um, so instead of going so, to court and having like a big long trial, you saved your grandson of having to live through the horror and accepted. 40 years to life, but he cannot appeal. Yes. See, in New York State, you don't get, you can't get charged with first-degree murder unless it's a cop or unless there's at least two consecutive murders. So he only would have been charged with one count of first-degree murder. So we're all like, well, what about the other one? He killed two people. What about the other one? So that was kind of a slap in the face, too. One and, count of first degree murder. And why why wouldn't the second one be charged? That's New York State. But if he had done it, it's you know, a, a day apart, it would have counted as two murders or not even? Um, it would have been counted as two murders, but not first degree. But not first degree. So the no. only reason this one was first degree was because he killed two people? Consecutively, yep. But this 40 years without having your grandson have it to testify, you were comfortable accepting that. But now... With that and the fact that he could never appeal. That he can never appeal. Yeah, now we have to worry about this Elder Pearl Act. That this guy could be out at 55 years old instead of the 40 years. Yeah. So... So now, okay, um, so the court the court case was finalized. This monster goes to, to jail. Um, um, yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was pretty quick, actually. Oh, was it? Okay, um, so tell me about that a little bit. It, it really didn't last too long because he did plea bargain out. We went through the process, you know, where his, his uh, attorney was trying to get this thrown out and that thrown out. I mean, they do what they have to do. That's what they hired to do. I, I get that, you know, and honestly, I, I can't believe that this attorney knowing what he did would want him free either, but that's what, that's what they're hired to do. They have to do it. Thankfully, the judge said no to everything. And it was soon. In fact, they weren't even, the DA's office, they weren't even going to tell us about Brittany. We knew what he had done to Helen, but they weren't going to, they, they didn't tell us about Brittany. They kept saying, no, we didn't do that to her. But then they had to come and tell us, yes, he did, because it looked like it was going to trial. So we had to learn that fact. But then he decided to plea out. The advocate was going to do her best to make sure that she pulled me out of court before any pictures came out. You know, she was going to do her best. Right. I can't imagine seeing any of the pictures. No. 
Now, did did anybody... And of course, I can understand why they didn't want me to see him now, you know. Um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Not for their caskets, you know, we had to get scarves for them. And we only had it open for the families. For the rest of the people, we had a closed casket. Okay. And the the church was standing room only. There were so many people oh. at the um, funeral and the service. And probably anyone at the funeral probably would have thought I was nuts, you know, two caskets and I'm going from one to the next, you know, thankfully they were close together because I couldn't, I couldn't pay more attention to one than the other, you know, even their pictures. I've, I've got one, I've got another one right by, they're always right to, right next to each other. So I can always see both of them. If I look at them, I, I can usually only take cursory glances. I still can't look at pictures, not just look, look at them. Even after 11 years, I can't. This young man, Brittany's older brother, protector, one of the people that loved Brittany more than anyone else, was only 15 years old when he walked in on this nightmare of a scene. No one in his family knows exactly what horrors he saw or how much of the brutal assaults on his sister and mother he registered. However, he ran from his home and called 911 trying desperately to get help on the scene as quickly as possible. He got counseling for a while. He doesn't speak about what he saw with anyone. He has a long-standing girlfriend and she never knew what he had lived through or that he had walked in on this brutal scene. His mother and sister lying dead. She learned about it from another family member. Dale is hoping he has been able to somehow block it out. And now, with the changes in the way the prison system works, this murderer may get out at the age of 55. The only reasons that Dale ever agreed to a plea deal were A, the most important reason that her grandson would not have to go to court and testify, speaking out about the details of what he stumbled into, saving him from that giving him that tiny piece of saving grace after what he had lived through. And B, because the plea deal made this monster ineligible for parole. No going back to court, no getting out early from his mandatory minimum sentence for any reason. He would have to spend the full 40 years in prison. Now, at the age of 55, he may be granted early release. That was not the agreement they made. And because he hadn't initially agreed to the plea deal, Dale had to endure sitting and listening to every detail of how her daughter and granddaughter were assaulted. No mother or grandmother should ever have to live through that. During a trial, no one is allowed to cry out. Therefore, the prosecution had to give this poor grieving woman the details beforehand to allow her time to try and absorb these facts so she would be able to sit in the courtroom and not learn of these devastating details there for the first time. Even knowing them in advance, cries would have been extremely difficult to smother. Her victim advocate assured her she would be there right beside her every step of the way 
and she would try her utmost to protect her from the graphic images that would have to be shown, demonstrating the scene, doing her best to usher her out of the courtroom to help her escape the torment of them. That time is still hazy for Dale. The days following the murder of Helen and Brittany a blur. The funeral is all but forgotten. I, I give the DA's office so, so much credit, and they were so good to Brandon. It was so close to Christmas, and they wanted to make sure that he had a good Christmas. Was I mean, as good as it could be. So, I mean, they all pulled together, and they just showered him with gifts. And I've kept in touch with quite a few of them. The victim advocate, I just adore her. We've kept in touch over the years. And they still ask about Brandon. And now tell me what you have been doing uh, since this, I mean, beyond tragic story of your... Well, I, um, I called my senator. It must have been really shortly after. Because I I just saw so much wrong with the system, so many things that, you know, where, you know, had things been done differently, like, if, you know, if he had been violated or whatever, you know, they might still be alive. Or if we had seen more information than what we saw, they might still be alive. Because had Helen known what he had actually done, there's no way she would have allowed him in her home near her kids. Her kids were her world. And... Initially, I was suing the state. My lawyer talked me into dropping it just because he felt so much was going to come out. You know, there's going to be more pictures. It was just going to get nasty. So I did drop the lawsuit against the state. Sometimes I wish I didn't. Maybe I would be farther along, you know, if I'd kept it going. I don't know. But I've been working on it for 11 years now. But now we're redoing, we're rewriting the whole bill. And I have the backing of the New York State Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And it's very important to get their backing to get a domestic violence bill. And they're, I mean, they've been wonderful. They're, I'm, they're so behind me right now. In fact, we just, we just had a meeting recently. So we're hoping to hear something back soon about proceeding with that, with the new bill. And tell us about the bill. I don't know where you live, and I don't know if you have a um, a state website where it shows why a person's been in prison, but we want more clarification, and we also want to see misdemeanors because so many domestic cases are plugged down, I think in part because even though they may the person may be have been abused for years. It takes a long time before they finally get the courage to have them arrested and go to court. So the judge is seeing it as a first time offense when it's probably been going on for years that they're pled down because he's thinking it's first time offense or it's it's looking like a first time offense. So we need to see more misdemeanors. Um, showing domestic violence, just so that, say you're out on a first date, you can excuse yourself, go into the ladies' room or whatever, everyone's got smartphones, they can call this person up, and they're going to know, okay, bam, he was in prison, or he was arrested for domestic abuse, 
So you're going to think twice about going out with this guy and not giving him any more information or and just cutting it off right there. Don't go out with him again. Like I said, my daughter did her best to get what she could on this guy, but the information was very vague. And the website itself is very antiquated and cumbersome. Like for this guy, his name is so common. You call up his name and you just keep scrolling. There's more and there's more and there's more. Because in order to get to the right person, you either need his DIN number, which is the number they're assigned in prison, which you're not going to know, or you need to know their birth year, and you're not going to really probably know that either. So the only thing my daughter had to go on was race. She knew he wasn't Hispanic. She knew he wasn't black. So, okay, so she looked up all the white John Browns. But still, I mean, there were still quite a few. But we also want a picture. Um, We want to be able to look up by zip code or county. We're hopeful because we have the coalition backing us on this. And that's huge. The coalition is a group consisting of professionals in their fields. And their first concern is the victim. There are many people that would like to tell their stories, but they are afraid to have their names made public. They are victimized again when that happens. So they don't speak out. Or they retract their statements once this happens, as is all too often the case. Money is always an issue as well for people in abusive relationships. The abused may want to leave. However, they don't have the money to do so. They need somewhere to go once they bravely walk out the door, and not everyone has a family member or friend that can have them stay there. Staying in a hotel costs money, and for those that don't have it, that is certainly not an option. There aren't always shelters available either. Many communities don't have shelters, or they are full. There aren't always places to go to escape the abuse. Too often, The abused want to leave, but they simply can't afford to. Dale is an advocate and wants people to understand these realities. The new bill she is working on, Helen's Law, would ensure the registry is clear. Dale wants a photo attached to the file so the person searching can recognize who they are searching for. There will be easier ways for identification to be made and there will be a description of what the offender did. There will be more transparency if it is a domestic abuse case. Helen's law will be there to help protect other people who are meeting with someone for the first time. If the registry had been set up in this manner, Helen would have known who this person was, that she was bringing into her home, and she just wouldn't have done it. Her mother is fighting for everyone out there who may be inadvertently putting themselves in a deadly situation. Dale has been fighting to make changes since 2009. She has been seeing some serious progress lately, and although she doesn't know when the bill will be passed, she is hoping it will be before the end of 2022. Our love was unconditional. We just we had a good time together. We we didn't even have to speak, you know, and we just got each other. I remember this one time. 
she had this, there was this person over at her house. It wasn't, she didn't really care for him, but her other friends liked him. And I didn't really care for him either. He was kind of paranoid. I guess I can be a little sarcastic at times. And I was, I made some comments and it was just kind of going over his head. And she was sitting behind him. And at first her eyes got really big because she, she knew where I was going. And, um, she had to end up, she ended up leaving the room because she was, she, she was laughing so hard. We just, we just knew each other that well. We, we could not talk and understand what we we're saying. And the relationship with, with her and her brother, you know, I feel really bad for my son because he was the one person that she, he could always go to her. Always go to her. Always. We communicated every day. That's nice. Every day. You must miss and that Brittany. very much. Yeah, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about them. Yes. Not a day. You were saying sorry and Brittany. Was there something you were going to say about her? I just, I just, she was just so sweet, you know. She came to work with me one day when I was living in Oswego. It was that week, you know, when she's on the boat that I sent you. Yes. And, um... She just she just started digging in, filling in napkin holders and filling salt and pepper shakers, and she was just helping everyone out, and everyone just loved her. She was just a good girl, you know. She loved to read. Reading was her thing. She'd she'd read more than she'd watch TV. That was her passion. Both my grandkids were big readers. Yeah, yeah. I just wish I had them back. Just. You know, you make bargains, especially in the beginning. You're always making bargains. And you realize, you know, there are no bargains. You can't get them back. And you'd do anything. I, I mean, I would have given my life, life in a heartbeat to have saved them. I wished I had stayed one more day. Maybe it would have made a difference. I don't know. I'll never know. Fighting for this bill helps Dale get through her days. When she gets the bill passed, she will continue to advocate and teach people how to use it. That is an important part of her work. Getting the bill passed is exceptionally important. It will save lives. It will make a difference. However, people have to know about it, how to use it. And through Dale's hard work and determination to save other people from fatal relationships, she will make it her life's work to see to it that people know about Helen's law and know how the bill is there to help protect them. The courage Dale shows is astounding and admirable. This is a family of heroes and protectors, courageous people in the face of disaster. Helen, who did everything possible to ensure her beloved children's safety, Brittany, the wee young 12-year-old girl fighting her mother's attacker to save her life. Helen's son and Brittany's brother, who walked in on this tragedy, called for help and is living each day strongly. And Dale, living through what she has. And hearing her fight to make change is inspirational and New York State should be proud to have her as a citizen, a protector, a defender. Thank you, Dale, for all you do.
I do want to thank you very much thank for being you. on the podcast today. Oh, thank you, and thank you for your time, and thank you for what you're doing. Well, I'm, I'm, it's my pleasure, and you stay strong, and uh, keep me posted on any developments with the bill, please. I sure will. Okay, take care. You too, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. I'd like to thank everyone for being here this week. I have been getting such amazing feedback from the families that tell their stories here. This is all thanks to you, our listeners. I greatly appreciate your support and dedication to Mourning the Murdered. While producing the podcast, I need many tools to be able to bring you quality content each week. I now have an affiliate link with Amazon. And by simply clicking on the link before you make your Amazon purchases, you are helping to support my podcast. Once you click on the link, you will be redirected to your Amazon page, ordering as you normally would. There are no extra costs and no fees. Just go to my website, morningthemurderedpodcast.com, and click on the affiliate link. You can also, as always, support the podcast by sending a one-time PayPal contribution or through Patreon, you can donate as little as $1 a month. All of the links can be found on morningthemurderedpodcast.com. So your help is only one click away. I'm not quite sure how people move on after a tragedy. There are support groups online and face-to-face, and there are books and family and friends to lean on. But in reality, when someone loses a loved one to murder, they lose a piece of themselves that can never be returned. Memories are all that are left. So talk about your loved one and let the world know how important they will be to you forever. These memories become valuable treasures. No one will ever understand your pain, but surround yourself with those that can understand how important it is for you to share your story. I will now light a candle for the victim and their loved ones, ensuring their memory lives on and burns brightly. You are remembered. I want to take a moment and extend my most sincere and humble gratitude to each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, or if you would like your voice to be heard on Morning the Murdered and tell the story of your loved one, email me at morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-H-E M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D at gmail.com Thank you to Dennis for editing this podcast. You are absolutely indispensable. Thank you so much. A huge shout out to Patrick for creating the original music that you hear. And the artwork for this podcast was created by Talia with support from Matt and Mick. Thanks so much, guys.